everyone. Welcome to That Niku Mum, a podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. My name's Shan and I'm the host of this podcast. Um, I'm a mum of three boys, my ex 32 weeker twins, who are, who are uh, three and a half, and our full-term singleton who is just gone 14 months. So I'm very busy, <laughs> very lots of um lots of chaos in our household but we did nearly five weeks in NICU with the twins and ever since then I've been quite passionate about you know supporting other parents through that time because obviously I know how difficult it can be um and we were very lucky we had quite a straightforward stay but I know that's not the case for everyone and I want to make sure that everyone who doesn't have a straightforward stay knows that they're not the only ones that have been through that so I hope by having this podcast it can kind of help people who are currently in the unit are are going to be going into the unit or have already been in the unit but are still you know kind of processing um but yeah that's me (laughs) today we're speaking with Taylor whose second babe, Maeve, was born at full term, but she ended up in Skaboo for a few days for a couple of things, um, mostly to monitor her breathing and for jaundice, uh, which we know is quite common, but still difficult to deal with. It wasn't her first baby. Her first baby is um, a little boy called Finn. So she'd been through birth and postpartum and everything before she knows how it's meant to be so yeah I'll let her tell her story and yeah let's get into it I'm Taylor I'm originally from Christchurch but living in Tauranga with my fiance Brad um we met when we were living in Canada on our Mm. like um you know ski resort yeah are we think um and we have two kids so we've got Finn who is two and Maeve who is 12 weeks um and Maeve is our second baby obviously and she is our skaboo baby so um the journey to pregnancy for both of our children we've been very fortunate that it's been relatively straightforward Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with endo when I was 20 and I've had four surgeries for it. So we weren't oh. really sure um, how hard it was going to be. But we have been very lucky that it's been straightforward both times. Yeah. The pregnancy was quite different to my pregnancy with Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed quite early on that my symptoms were different. So I was suspicious early on that she was a girl. And mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of what everyone not everyone but you know the ideal older brother younger sister that kind of yeah thing. And that it's definitely what that, I wanted <laughs> yeah. um so we were yeah feeling quite lucky when we found out that it was a girl but prior to that at my uh 12 week blood work everything was fine except I got a call from my midwife and she said have you got a minute to chat oh, uh, yep <laughs> And she just explained to me that there was, there's a marker in the blood work that you don't really find out about it unless you have to. Mm-hmm. And it's called PAPA, which is uh, P-A-P-P-A. 
and it basically gives an indication as to how well the placenta has implanted and is growing mm -hmm. and my marker was a little bit low so they count low as under 0.4 and mine was 0.34 right so not super concerning but enough to warrant a referral to the obstetric team at the hospital for their review um but my midwife had had a few clients that had had it before and she said look i know what they're going to do they're going to want you to get growth scans which is great for you because you get to see baby more often yeah. and they will put you on aspirin just yeah. to make sure that your blood is slightly thinner so that it's going to the placenta properly in theory it should make sure that whatever's going through the placenta is going to the baby and they grow how they should and you take yeah. that until 36 weeks because obviously the closer you get to term they don't want you having a blood thinner on board so mm. sure enough when the referral came back from the obstetric team they said yep aspirin growth scans at 28 32 and 36 weeks and calcium as well um right. and I was a bit confused about the calcium but my midwife said it's basically just to make sure that the white blood cells are good as well so that the blood that is going to the placenta is good quality blood mm. uh and everything else throughout the pregnancy was relatively smooth sailing I did get gastro at 31 and 30 and 31 weeks <laughs> Oh my god! Um, I had food poisoning when I was pregnant with Angus, and that was yeah, absolutely horrific. It was horrible. We, um, my son had it first, and then my partner got it, and I've never seen him so unwell. Oh, he honestly. was he walked in the door and he was grey, and yeah. I thought, oh no, this is this is me. <laughs> it's gonna, it's inevitable. Like I'm gonna yeah. get it, and yeah. So we sort of all took turns, and then. I think Ugh. the next week I had perhaps just eaten something that didn't sit quite well with my stomach that was because obviously your, all your organs are out of place and yeah um, yeah it takes a lot longer to heal from those kind of things when you've got mm. a relatively decent sized baby pushing everything mm. out of mm. the way so that was fine um and it wasn't until my 36 week scan that I said oh her tummy's quite big mm. okay um and you know they tell you throughout the scans you know they measure and they give you an idea of what the percentile is and all that kind of thing um and on their graph she had been measuring sort of 70 yes the whole way through um it was slightly less when my midwife plotted it for my you know height and weight and all that kind of thing yeah but with this measurement at 36 weeks it jumped up to like 98 or something um right so I was like well there's no problem with her growth yeah <laughs> um and then so I had that scan and then the next day I had an appointment with my midwife and I could just kind of tell when I went in that it wasn't going to be the birth chat um 36 week appointment that we had talked about you know a couple of weeks before and mm. she said to me look the this far along an increased tummy measurement and a in, increased fluid measurement because mine had gone up slightly not huge but mm. enough for them to put it on the report 
um, could be a sign of gestational diabetes. Right. So when I'd had my 26-week screening, everything was well within its normal um, parameters. Mm -hmm. And so she said it could just be one of those things that's popped up really late in the piece. But what I need you to do is get the two-hour screening Mm. done Mm. as well. Mm. Okay. I had to do it twice with Angus. (laughs) Oh, Horrific. That's awful. Um, And then, you know, we did our normal checks and everything and she felt her position and she said, oh, she's slightly um, like spine to the right of you, but that's not a big deal. Just make sure that when you're lying down, it's on your left side, all that kind of thing. And then she took her heart rate with the Doppler and it was quite high, like 170s, 180s. And it didn't settle for quite, you know, at least a couple of minutes. And she said, okay, we're just going to check that again in a few minutes. We'll just sit down and have a chat. And we started chatting about some birth preferences. She said, next week we'll do the proper birth chat, but let's just talk about some stuff now, you know, vitamin K, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure it was at this appointment that I said to her, um, because there was like growth was always a question. And then when the gestational diabetes joined the conversation, it was like, okay, well, are they going to induce by term? What does that mean? And I'd said to Mm. her, if she does end up having to come early by being induced, what the likelihood of her, you know, like obviously 37 weeks is counted as term, but are they, are babies more likely to need help when they're born at that stage because Finn was born at 40 and 4 so he was yeah um (laughs) and she said well you know yes and no it just kind of depends some babies come out at 35 weeks and they don't need any help and then other babies come out at 39 weeks and they do so it's really yeah hard to say um and yeah we just had a real good chat about what I wanted for birth because I'd had a awful birth experience with Finn and had put a lot of a lot a lot of work into my mindset and how I wanted it to go but also being okay with how it went no matter the outcome yeah yeah yeah. and so it was really important for me to have those conversations with her early on was she your midwife with Finn as well no she wasn't so the midwife that I had with Finn was overseas um, right. doing her away with her husband which was like great for her and I think had she not been overseas I would have had her again absolutely mm. but also now that we've had this experience with Maeve I wouldn't have changed it you know yeah. like if yeah. I could have yeah. I think the midwife that we had for Maeve was exactly what we needed for helping us with the healing experience yeah. And I've no doubt that it would have been the same with our previous midwife, but it was just nice having someone else involved, yeah. and, which, yeah. is, which is interesting because initially when I found out that our midwife was away, I thought, oh shit, you know, like this is someone totally new that we're going to yeah. have to explain the process to and the experience, what it was like for us and mm-hmm. the history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had an awful time with breastfeeding and my mental health 
really went down the Googler. It was it was a really rough experience. But yeah, I can yeah, I can totally just... relate to that. My um my midwife with the twins, like she was amazing and I loved her. Mm. But when I fell pregnant with Angus, she was also pregnant. So she couldn't yeah. she couldn't be my midwife again. So yeah, she's yeah. like, Oh, I'll um do you want me to give like your details to my partner midwife or do you want to go find your mm-hmm. other one? And I'll say, no, no, partner midwife is all good. And I loved my second midwife. And like, I think about yeah. it, like Abby was my first midwife. She would have been fantastic the whole way through, but like Courtney, my second midwife, and I just had this like connection. And I was yeah. like, I'm just, I'm so glad exactly the same. Like she helped me through a lot with my pregnancy and like my anxieties. Yeah. And she was just what I needed for that pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. And our uh, second midwife, she was our first midwife were quite similar in age, so we had a really good friend relationship. Our yeah. midwife was sort of like 15 years older than me, so yeah. not a lot older, but yeah. just a real um, like warm mum kind of yeah. person. You know, yeah. you could just, it was just always really comforting being with her in yeah. like a non-creepy way. <laughs> yeah. Like but, an auntie. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, because my mum's in Christchurch, you know, it was nice having that sort of, warm yeah especially when you're going through something so life-altering as pregnancy Mm. let alone a second pregnancy Mm. Mm. um and she said to me you know is there any concerns that you have about birth and I said you're not being there (laughs) and she um said to me oh you know babies wait for me and um (laughs) sort of talked through what happens and you know she was like but you're only 36 weeks don't worry about it Mm. after that chat we checked Maeve's heart rate again it was still high and I was sitting at this point rather than lying down yeah and I just looked at her and I said it's still high isn't it and she said yeah and I said the same thing happened with Finn I said and I had to go on the monitor at clinic and that was when I was 39 weeks pregnant with Finn yeah and she said yep I'm gonna recommend that you go up to the hospital for some monitoring she said have you had much water today I said uh, like I've had some but my appointments mm-hmm. were always early in the morning it, it wasn't mm-hmm. like I'd had a full day of hydration on board um and she said okay well the two things that they're going to think about is dehydration and an infection so mm-hmm. they might want you on some fluids just to see if that helps but just go up see what they say I'll give them a ring and let them know that you're coming so got in the car rang Brad my partner and I said um I'm going to the hospital for monitoring <laughs> which is exactly basically the conversation that I had with him before I had been um yeah. and I said I don't I don't have anything with me but I'll let you know he's like okay we'll see how this goes so went up was on the monitor she was fine happy moving around but her heart rate yeah was high sort of 170s 180s yeah. um I think a couple of times I saw it even high 180s 190s so I ended up monitoring me for about an hour it eventually settled to a point where they were happy with it and then one of the doctors came in they felt her position again and then mm-hmm. it spiked back up but then it came down a lot quicker so they said okay well she probably just doesn't like being poked and prodded and mm, you know whatever mm. it was this morning she wasn't happy with but we're happy with how she is now if you feel like you're worried about anything just ring a midwife or come in mm. you know but as far as we're concerned everything's okay 
so that was all good. Um, the next day was a Thursday, which was my last day of work. And I'd ummed and ahed for so long about when I was going to finish work. You know, do I finish at the end of 36 weeks? Do I finish mm. at 37? You know, how much, you don't know when a baby's going to come. How no, much time no. do I need? Um, and so I finished on the Thursday and all day Thursday. And then the next day, the Friday, I had really intense Braxton Hicks. And I'd had them all throughout pregnancy, but I'd never felt them where I did on these two particular days. I was feeling mm -hmm. them from my belly button up towards my ribs, which was really odd. And, you know, my whole belly was going rock hard for mm. two to three minutes at least at a time. And it was really inconsistent. I knew it wasn't contractions because it was so inconsistent and it wasn't yeah. painful. It was just uncomfortable. But the yeah. position that I was feeling, it was so strange. I rang my midwife and I said, hey, I'm feeling them here. Is that okay? She said, yep, that's totally fine. You know, what your whole uterus will be, will be tensing up. But for some reason, you're just feeling it higher up, like, if you feel your whole belly when it happens, it's going to be tight everywhere. And I said, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what's happening. She said, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then. Um, You've had a baby before, but sometimes you feel like a first time mum when you ask these questions. Hey? <laughs> yeah. And because I was induced from the beginning with Finn, I hadn't experienced a lot of the. Natural you know, labor. Early, mm. Yeah. The early. Mm labor signs like sure my waters broke spontaneously once I was in the hospital but that was mm. you know I'd, I'd already had some of the induction medication on board by then so uh, yeah I did definitely feel like a first time mum in some ways and the Friday we just chilled at home and um, we on the Monday the following Monday it was um Finn's second birthday and so we planned to pop over to Hamilton Zoo for the day on Saturday just to you know do something to celebrate yeah. his birthday yeah. without it being too strenuous on me being 37 weeks pregnant um and he is so into animals at the moment he loves mm -hmm. pointing out yeah meow <laughs> and so um yeah we have planned to do that and went to bed on the Friday night and I said to Brad oh I'm so looking forward to being comfortable again and he said yeah I bet um went to sleep relatively easily as easily as you can at 37 weeks pregnant <laughs> um went up to the toilet everything was fine went back to bed went back to sleep and then just woke up to this almighty gush and I was like oh <laughs> I, was like, I know what that I was like I know what that feeling is and I Brad was dead asleep next to me I didn't even try and gently wake him up I just said my waters are broken <laughs> what? what I said my waters have broken are you deaf <laughs> <laughs> and he said are you joking I said no I'm not joking and he was like okay what do we do and I was like well we're gonna have to clean it up and <laughs> I just kind of like my first thought was oh my god Finn like we're yeah. going to the zoo tomorrow who who's gonna look after him his mum was in Europe my mum was um, planning on coming up two days before my due date. You know, it was just all like, oh, God, what are we going to do? Um, and I got on to all fours just because like, it was just such an icky feeling. And I just wanted mm. to not be lying in my waters. Mm. Um, so Brad blarely got up, flicked on the light, and all I saw was this puddle of blood. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, 
fit. Yeah. I was like, that's not good. He was like, ah, what do we do? I said, I need to ring the midwife. And our midwife was off call that weekend. Oh, and I knew, and I knew of that. Of course. Um, <laughs> so I rang her mobile first because I wasn't sure if it was going to divert to her backup or not. And it didn't. So then I had to find the backup's number and ring mm. her. And, um, you know, she sounded quite confused when I told her who I was. And I found out later that in their, like, pre-meeting before my midwife was off call, my name didn't even come up because, you know, I was not expecting to be having my baby just yet. So she was expecting to hear someone else's name yeah. <laughs> when I rang. Um and she said, can you feel the baby move? I said, no. She said, are you getting any contractions or anything? I said, no. He's still actively bleeding. I said, yep, I think so, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm. Um, and she said, okay, call an ambulance if you think it's going to be faster than driving. I'll meet you up at the hospital. So Brad, in the meantime, had called his brother to come over and watch Finn and call the ambulance. And so I've got the midwife asking me if the baby can move, Brad asking me via the ambulance if I can feel the baby move. Mm. Um, and so they got here. I got up. I was like, I need to have a shower. Like I'm drenched. Had a mm. quick shower, started taking the sheets off the bed. And I was like, actually, I should probably take a photo of that because they're probably mm. going to want to know what it looks like. Took a photo, had a quick shower. Um, by the time I was out of the shower, I was kind of shaking all over, I think, just a shock thing, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, got into the ambulance. We're only a couple of minutes away from the hospital, so it wasn't, wasn't threatening. You know, I didn't have to go lights and sirens or anything. Mm. Um, and they took us straight up to maternity, into a delivery room, and they had a look at the photo, and they said, okay, it looks like because it wasn't a super bright red blood. Some of it was a little bit pinky, and they only know yeah. that because my pregnancy pillow, which was white, was behind me, and so they could see that that wasn't super red. It was a little yeah. bit pinky towards the outside, and so they said, okay, yes, there definitely has been a bleed, but it also looks like your waters have broken as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, they put me on the monitor. She was fine. Um, I still couldn't really feel her move, but they were able to see her movements on the on the machine. Mm. And I w wasn't really in pain, but had this weird kind of ache around my bladder. And they brought in a bedside ultrasound machine because they said, we need to determine if your waters have actually gone. And mm. then by this point, they knew about the increased tummy measurement. They knew about yeah. the increased fluid, that kind of thing, because I'd been at the hospital only a couple of days before. So they yeah. noted all that down um, and did the ultrasound. And they said, yep, there's hardly any fluid around her. Obviously, your waters have gone. Mm. And they said, we don't know where the bleed is coming from. There's nothing obvious going on that we can see it's likely a placental abruption we don't know where we don't know how big we're just kind of going to have to keep an eye on it um so from then 
once we sort of knew roughly what the plan was, they'd said to me they wanted to do active management of labour. And I said, what's that? And they said, induction. And I said, how? And they said, with the syntocin and drip. And I said, absolutely not. And they looked at me, they looked at me like, what? And I said, I had such a shit time with that, with my son. I do, I will try just about anything. Yeah. But I do not want to do that again. Yeah. And yeah. they said, okay. And I said, look, if there's, if at any point there's any concerns about me or her, I'm more than happy to have a cesarean. That does not bother me. Um, my hard nose, oxytocin uh, and drip and I really, really want to avoid an instrumental delivery if I can. Yeah. And they said, okay, which was such a contrast to the experience that I'd had with Finn. And I think it was, I'm so glad that we had those conversations because it really set up what we expected as a couple. Yeah. And they also knew what I was prepared to do and what I wasn't. Yeah, and um, I love that you said it, that because it is it's so important to you know have a plan in place for what you are comfortable yeah. with because people don't yeah. realize you're allowed to say no yeah they think the doctors totally. say you need to do this and yeah. you're like okay but that's not the case you can say no to anything yeah. at any time yeah and I guess that's something that you don't really know until you've done it before yeah. um and when I mean you can plan on doing that with your first pregnancy mm. for sure but mm. when you're actually in it and you know for us they kept telling us that Finn was in distress and he needed to come out. I was like, okay, get him out. Mm. I'm not going to tell you not to. Mm. Um, but <clears throat> was that the right thing to do? Don't know. Um, but anyway, they they sort of just let me do my thing. They wanted me to try and get some rest. They said, you're going to be nailed by mouth. I said, that's fine. Um, they gave me it was about nine o'clock they gave me a dose of misoprostol which is mm -hmm. what they use for induction at the hospital now when I was induced with Finn it was the gel behind the cervix and then yeah. the drip yeah um but they use misoprostol now and the oral the oral induction yes. medication mm. yeah yeah which tastes like nothing it's so weird it tastes like chalk uh, like it feels like chalk in your mouth it's a yeah, texture it's, yeah it's yuck mm. Um, which I was contracting on my own by this point, but because I had said to them that I wanted to avoid an instrumental delivery and all that kind of thing, they said, Look, mm. because you're still bleeding, we want to get her out sooner rather than later. And I was yeah. like, that's fine by me. So we did that and pretty quickly. My contractions started sort of spreading across my whole lower abdomen. I'd only been feeling them around my bladder which was really weird because mm. I with Finn I felt them everywhere and horrifically mm. because of the syntocin drip and but I didn't really know obviously what to expect going into labor naturally mm. and so the fact that it was so condensed was really strange mm. um and then it was at that point that they said you can have something to eat because I said to them if you want me to push her out I'm going to have to have something to eat I'm starving and they said yeah that's <laughs> fine you can you can have breakfast um so they gave me breakfast and I was sitting up and um I had my tens machine on and because when we left home 
Brad tried saying to me, what do you want to take to the hospital? I said, I don't want to take anything right now. I just want to go and make sure that everything's okay. So once the dust had settled, sent him home with a list to you know get everything that I wanted. Um, had my TENS machine on, was contracting pretty regularly, just kind of breathing through them as mm. I as I could. And then f- had a quite a big contraction and felt this massive gush. And I was like, not again. And yeah. rang, the, rang the bell and the midwife, who was fantastic, came in and she was like, that's okay, that's normal. You know, we expect, you know, fluid to come out when you contract. And I said, it feels quite big. And I knew in the back of my head that there wasn't that much fluid because I'd seen it on the yeah on the scan. And I stood up and I was just dripping blood basically. Went into the bathroom and the pad that they manufactured for me with you know the hospital maternity pads mm. all stuck together was like soaked through. It was quite a dark, bloody color. Um, and she just kind of looked at me and said. I don't like that. I said, hmm. I don't really like that either. So she called in one of the other midwives. I, actually, no, sorry. She called the doctors in first. The doctors came and had a look. They said, that's okay. We'll just keep an eye on it. And we both kind of looked at each other like, I don't know if, I, if I'm happy with that. She called in one of the other midwives. Uh, she might have been a charge midwife, actually. And she looked at me and said, I've seen them do cesareans for less blood than that. Yeah. And I was like, okay that's fine I said if that's what has to happen that's what has to happen so they got the doctors in again we had the whole cesarean chat what a cesarean involves um and they said again we'll keep an eye on it but if anything changes we're going ASAP Mm. um Mm. so they had me tape all my piercings and everything um I was put in a gown at that point because it was going to be if you need to go you're going like mm. now and mm. we're not gonna mess around with doing that stuff then at least if you're prepared now then we don't have to fuff around with that yeah um, I had the those awful compression stockings put on all that kind of thing um and luckily that was the last big bleed that I had had you so, felt her move by then yeah yeah I was feeling her move I think probably so we got, it was about quarter to three in the morning when my waters broke. I think once we got to the hospital, I mean, she was moving straight away. So there was never any question of her not moving right. the whole time. It was right. just that I couldn't feel her. And it yeah. would have been within the hour probably of being at the hospital that I was feeling her move. Yeah. Um, not so that would have been reassuring amounts. for you. Totally, totally. Not huge amounts, obviously, because I was contracting and stuff, but I could also hear her heartbeat on the machine. Mm, Her movements mm. were coming up on the trace. It was, it was looking good. Yeah, yeah, so that was the last real bleed that I had. Um, They called the backup midwife back at around one o'clock in the yeah. afternoon because they'd said that I was in established labor um, and one thing that was pleasantly surprising was they weren't very pushy for uh, internal examinations they said we can do one if you like but we're pretty confident just on what we're seeing on the machine and how you're acting that you're in established labor and I was like okay mm-hmm. cool um, which with 
my birth with Finn, I feel like they were like, no, we need to do one. Mm. Um, so having the choice put back on us was really good. Uh, and we sort of cruised along. I think it got to about two o'clock and I was like, I'm buggered. Like I was, I think the adrenaline of the morning had worn off. Mm. The pain of the contractions was getting quite intense. And I said, I want the epidural. And the midwife said, okay, cool. I'll call the anaesthetist. She called the anaesthetist. Um, I remember at one point really feeling like the wheels had fallen off because I couldn't, I'd sort of lost it mentally. I was mm. really good up mm. until then being in the zone. And then all of a sudden I just lost it. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, the anaesthetist was at the door and they'd said to me, we need to do a an internal exam. And I said, can you wait until after I've had the epidural? And they said, no, we really need to check um, if you're fully dilated, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then again, if you do end up having to go to theatre, they kind of need to know what's going on. Mm. But okay, so managed to get through a VE and... They're like, yeah, you're fully dilated. Um, but that wasn't a problem because they had said, you know, you can still have the epidural. It'll yeah. you know, take a few minutes to work, but who knows how long it's going to be until she's actually here. Yeah, um, still like, you can't have that break. <laughs> yeah. You know, you think, yeah. oh, I'm going to get the epidural. I have like a few hours yeah. to like chill out. Nah. No, no. And um, then I was lying on my back on the bed and it's such a weird sensation. And the easiest way for me to describe it is like dry heaving out of my vagina. It was just <laughs> like, it was so bizarre. And I'd heard about the, you know, involuntary pushing or bearing yeah. down feeling. Yeah. Never, ever expected it to feel like that. It was so strange. And this weird, like, huh, noise sort of <laughs> came out of me. I was like, what is going on? And the midwife looked at me and she said, is that pressure all on your bum? I said, yeah. And she just said, she's coming. And mm -hmm. actually before, while we were waiting for the anaesthetist, I said to her, I think it's going to be too late. And she said, too late for your labor or the epidural? I said, I think she's just going to come anyway. I just had this feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and so started pushing while I was on my back because that was just the position that I was in um mm. and I'd said to the midwife I said I really want you to take photos the hospital midwife and she said yeah that's fine because I didn't have anything from Finn and I think mm. that would have really helped being able to look back on mm. that um because perhaps it wouldn't have been quite as bad as I remembered if I'd been able to see the photos but because yeah. I didn't have anything the only thing I could remember is what I remembered um and the hospital midwife ended up passing over my phone to the doctors, actually. They were just standing there, and they had a great view. Um, and she took some amazing photos. Like, they're yeah. so, so cool. Um, and the midwife kept saying to me, two more pushes, two more pushes. And it just wasn't happening. And tried going on my side, two more pushes, two more pushes. I was like, What? And then I said, I want to try go on all fours. Um, mm. Just more so for a gravity 
thing mm. and I tried that position when I was having fun but his heart rate really didn't um really didn't cope so I knew that I felt better in that position mm. um and she said two more pushes two more pushes and I was like what is going on and in my head I'm like just knock me out and get her out like I'm like, no I can't do this anymore mm. and I remember saying at one point is that poo or a head and they said no that's a head I said okay that's good um and then they had me put one of my legs out to the side just to give her a little bit more room and then my midwife and the hospital midwife started talking about infiltration and somehow mid push I was able to say what's that and they said oh an episiotomy I said okay do it and they said no no we don't need to we're just talking about it and I was like oh just <laughs> get her out <laughs> don't bring it up then <laughs> um but again I was like in hindsight so proud of myself for listening to what they were saying although mm. I was pushing recognizing that it was medical terminology that I wasn't sure what it was and yeah. asking them what yeah. it was so that yeah. I, I knew what was going on um and all of a sudden her head just kind of popped out and then her body came out and then she was born so when she came out she came out forehead first so the little monkey was posterior and what we think is when I really sort of felt like the wheels were falling off and when the pain changed her head was probably pushing on some stuff internally that it wouldn't normally push on being that she was yeah. posterior which yeah. made everything feel so much more painful for me mm, and then intense. with yeah and then with her head just all of a sudden popping out they said we think she just tucked her chin because I tore on the scar that I had from the episiotomy um with Finn so her head was was just there just there and then all of a sudden it was out and mm. the midwife said to me I felt I felt it going like there was no there was no stopping it um she came out and she was covered in um vernix isn't it the mm. the milky kind of stuff which was weird because Finn was just normal color he lost mm. all that by the time he was born um and she was she was awake and like alive and breathing but she wasn't making any sound um mm. and she didn't do she did a couple of little little cries but they didn't she didn't do a big cry like they really wanted her to um and it was you know a couple minutes me sort of rubbing her back she was moving around on me so I wasn't concerned that she wasn't okay uh, mm. until they said mm, her color's changed um we're gonna have to take her over for some support so she went really quite dusky and I guess almost gray um there's a photo that I have of when I cut the cord and you can really see her color is not good so mm. they took her over to the um to the recess thing um and then they had the a pediatrician come down and she was working on her and it was maybe 20 minutes to half an hour I want to say um by this time they'd got me up and you know they wanted me to have the placenta and 
all that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and so I kind of poked my head over to see what was going on and they said she's breathing, but you know, see how she's sort of tucking in at her ribs and I said, mm. yeah, they said, yeah, that's, that's not great. She's obviously mm. working really hard to breathe. So we're just, you know, giving her some help. And then they decided, no, actually, we want to take her down to Skaboo. So they took her to Skaboo. Brad went with her. And then I got stitched up, had a shower, all that kind of thing. And then mm. they, once I was settled back in the room, we were going to go down to Skaboo. But then they brought her down. Right. Because they were happy with um how she was and yeah. they said yep she's fine to be on the ward with you so she was born at 3.05 p.m and I think by the time she was back on the ward with me was probably about quarter past five right. so it was a good couple of hours away from her I didn't know how much she weighed I didn't yeah. know anything really it was it was quite strange we hadn't really had a chance to do skin to skin it was yeah it was such a different experience to what we'd had with Finn um yeah I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm saying that a lot but the whole experiences were just so stark for so many different reasons um did my first feed with her because obviously she wasn't fed in Skaboo mm -hmm. um they're just given her a dummy which makes me feel a little bit sad <laughs> because mm. you know you sort of want that first time yeah. to be with you yeah. um and that explained to me that overnight they were going to have to do quite a few blood tests checking her blood gases and that kind of thing because um obviously her breathing hadn't been great and they said look all going well um you know, providing that all the blood tests and everything are okay overnight and then tomorrow you'll be able to go home go to the birth unit you know whatever you want to do and I said okay cool and overnight the nurse that I had was lovely and she said to me a couple of times she's like mm, her feet are really cold um but she was dressed and warm and mm, she was just mm. a little bit concerned about the extremities um and there was a couple of times with her breathing that I noticed that it didn't sound fantastic but it didn't last for long enough for me to go mm, I should probably ring someone I just sort of put it down to the fact that she's only a few hours old it's probably you know that mucusy stuff that they have mm, and yeah you know yeah. if it got if it got worse then obviously I would ring someone yeah the next morning um Brad came back up and we were just having cuddles in the room and I think probably 11 a.m midday-ish the pediatrician came around and just wanted to check her over and said look sometimes when we do blood tests we inevitably find things that we're not looking for just because we're doing the blood tests and she said there were a couple of tests last night where her lactate came back quite high so yeah. either she's distressed about something or you know they might have had to squeeze her heel to get the right amount of blood out and I said well they did actually have to do that a couple of times because um her feet were a bit cold and they said mm. okay that's fine and so they said we'll do one more blood test just to check that it's come down and if it has then that's all good and her blood sugars had stabled at this point as well um and 
she was checking her over and she looked at her and she looked at me and she said, do you think she looks yellow to you? I said, no. She said, maybe just a little bit on the tip of her nose. My mum was there, asked mum, no, doesn't look yellow. <clears throat> and then she called in one of the other midwives who was actually the midwife that was at Maeve's birth. Does she look yellow? Maybe, not sure. Mm. Called in one of the nurses. They couldn't tell. They were holding her up at the window. It was really, <laughs> they, no one could say for sure. Yeah. And so the doctor said, okay, we'll just, we'll just leave it. It's all right. And then the, one of the nurses came back in only a couple of minutes later and said, no, actually the doctor's second guessing herself. She does want to do the jaundice blood test. And I was like, okay, fair enough. She's having a blood test anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Not an additional procedure for her. And those results came back pretty quickly and she was right in the middle of the two treatment lines but she was less than 24 hours old at this point so that is not normal and Mm. they were quite concerned about it they didn't obviously know what was causing it obviously it's very common um and lots of babies have it but yeah because she was so young that was what was concerning for them yeah yeah uh so they had her in the room with us she had a really soft blanket and an overhead light yeah and you know we just had this little alien in the room um and I'd had some troubles with feeding because her latch was quite shit (laughs) um obviously being so little little and Mm. yeah um and so I chatted with the nurses and they said okay well what we'll do is we'll help you um, every time she needs to feed we'll just because obviously she's needing to feed more regularly now to try and flush the jaundice out we said we'll mm. put her to the breast every time um, and then we'll hand express some off and then you know we can syringe feed her or whatever I said sure no yeah. problem so rang the bell when it was time for a feed and the person that came in was just sort of looked over at her and was watching her and said do you think she's breathing fast and I said I don't know I don't think so and she said I'm just going to get someone else's opinion so um had the midwife that was at Maeve's birth come in and count and she said no she is breathing fast so then Mm. they rang the pediatrician the pediatrician didn't even come down they just said we want to take her back to birth Mm. and I was like okay and I remember being so teary and can I give her a cuddle before you take her but I mean she was just down the hallway but it was I guess knowing that she wasn't going to be in the room with me and yeah you know she obviously wasn't well and no idea what that was going to look like yeah Um, and like you've been through birth and postpartum before like you know what it's supposed to be like yeah yeah and so they took her down and I sort of you know gathered myself and then Brad and I both went down together and um I think by the time we got there she was in the little like high dependency bed thing right by the um nurse's station and they'd they were putting an IV line in, they were giving her a feeding tube, 
Mm. Um, she had the little sunnies on. She was mm. just not looking like my baby because you, you mm. can't really tell what they look like when they've got the little no. sunnies on and the IV line takes up so much of their tiny little hands and then they've got mm. the board and the wraparound and um yeah we were like okay well I guess it's just a waiting game they uh were concerned that she might have an infection so they did tests for that and started her on antibiotics straight away anyway because they said if it is an infection we don't really want to wait for that mm. marker to come back to say yes or no it's not worth the risk mm. so she'll have at least 36 hours of antibiotics um they said that we also could have incompatible blood types which when you're pregnant is fine because the blood is circulating and it's not causing any problems but once that supply is cut when the cord is cut then she potentially has blood cells that aren't compatible and then creates antibodies and mm. you know what's your blood type each other off i'm o negative positive right. i can't remember off the top of my head but anyway we do have different blood types um but all of those tests came back negative so yeah within a couple of days we knew that Yes, we did have incompatible blood types, but the antibodies weren't the issue. She didn't have an infection, but we still didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. Um, and they had arranged for that because when she was going to be in the room with us initially with the overhead light and the underneath light, they had arranged so that they blocked the bed out next to me so that Brad could stay. Um, and then she ended up in Skaboo and we just didn't say anything and he stayed anyway, which was fine. But the next day, uh, they came in because they had to do my observations or something. And one of the nurses just looked at him lying on the bed and said, you need to get off. Just so abrupt. And I was like, what? He's allowed to stay. She said, no, not anymore. There's another mum going in that bed. I was like, well, hang on a minute. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> And you can be nice was, about it. Yeah, it was so just blunt and out of the blue. It just made it, yeah, it just made me feel so teary. And mm. I managed to sort of croak out, but that mum's going to have their baby with them. Yeah. And she said, no, it's another skaboo mum. I was like, okay, well, there's so, like, I'm in floods of tears at this point. There's so many other ways that you can go about yeah like where's scenario. the empathy yeah so um while she was in Skaboo I spent a lot of my time sitting next to her just kind of looking like I do, like mm. what else do you do no one tells you what to expect if your baby ends up there or yeah. what you can yeah. or can't do um I think in hindsight because there was nothing super obvious as to what was wrong I think that the nurses they were lovely don't get me wrong but I think because there's other babies in there that have been in there for so long and some of them are so unwell they really um develop a relationship with those parents and those mm. babies whereas it kind of felt sometimes like we were just in the way 
yeah. I think had there actually been something definitely and obviously wrong with Maeve I mean obviously she mm. had jaundice and she had to be there but you know in terms of her needing to be in the high dependency bed she probably didn't need to be right yeah. there the whole time yeah um and yeah I just felt like I didn't really know what to do and I mean when they're under the phototherapy you can't hold them very easily mm. and if you do then you've mm. got to have the blankets and so we really missed out on those really tiny newborn cuddles um yeah. as well as having Finn at home not knowing yeah. what was going on um, yeah. we were in hospital for his birthday which was really sad um but they had made me a border so I was able to go home for a few hours on the night of his birthday and we had dinner together and you know able to give him his presents and stuff mm. and mm. that was very strange as well you know I'd stayed at the hospital the whole time up until then and left Maeve and Skibu to go back to the room to pump or whatever but I'd not actually left the hospital and even though we're so close to the hospital it just felt so strange leaving without my baby yeah um and there was a family um with twins that were next to us and you know those parents were sort of in and out throughout the day and I was like man they've obviously been doing this for a long time like that must be so hard having to day in day out leave mm. your babies behind um and so slowly but surely we managed to get closer to the door um and I think it was probably the this wasn't until like the second or third night where we met one of the nighttime nurses and she was fantastic she was probably my favorite nurse throughout the whole thing she said you know do you know where the area is where you can make yourself a drink I said no <laughs> do you know where the bathroom is no do you know that over there there's um you know this group that do a whole bunch of baking and they bring it in on a Monday and it's fantastic so if you want some go get some mm. and we hadn't had anyone point out any of this stuff to mm. us previously so that was the first time where I felt like okay we're not in the way yeah um yeah so that was that was really lovely to have but I guess a shame that it took yeah so long yeah. to get well I mean it was only a couple of days but when yeah, you're but that sitting is a long time and, when you're sitting next yeah. to a baby in an incubator or in a baby in a yeah. cot or whatever yeah yeah just sitting there yeah yeah and what else do you do you just sit and watch mm. like you know you kind of ask them what's going on and they tell you and there's not much to say because they don't really know why she's breathing fast and oh yeah. and actually I've just remembered uh the first it must have been on the Monday morning when they did their rounds and you know they were telling us what was going on and they said oh and her her chest x-ray seemed to be okay I said what they said her chest x-ray I said I didn't know she was getting a chest x-ray and they said mm. ah well they should have told you or asked your permission I said well they didn't mm. um and I think on the report it said that she had a slightly enlarged heart but nothing for them to be worried about but that was again in hindsight another thing where I just kind of felt like we were in the way um, yeah 
Yeah, because they're not asking you or telling you anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, And as far as I know, that's the only thing that happened that we didn't know about. That's quite Um, a big thing, though, like an x-ray. Yeah, I would have liked to have gone with her. (laughs) Mm, mm. Um, And, yeah, anyway, slowly but surely, as her jaundice levels were coming down we made our way towards the door which was great um and they always said you know that's a good thing you move away from the we get out of the high dependency unit out of the bed and you slowly make your way out and then we don't see you again in theory um so i think by the fourth night i was so over being in hospital I didn't need to be there for myself the only reason that I was there was for Maeve yeah I was really struggling not being at home it was really hard being away from Finn my mum was bringing him up to come for visits and stuff but it was such a weird environment for him yeah. he's only two you know yeah it, it he doesn't understand him. yeah no and I sort of said look if I if I stay here for much longer, I'm going to go, you're going to have to you know, make a room for me somewhere else because this is not good for my mental health. And they said, no, that's fair enough. So I was pumping anyway um, because she was being tube fed. So yeah, I'd said to them quite early on, like, I'll, I'm happy to pump as much as I can. Um, and if she needs more food to get rid of the jaundice, then top her up with whatever I don't care I just want her better um so because I was pumping anyway I didn't need to be at the hospital as such they had milk in the fridge for her um they had my permission to give her a donor milk or formula or whatever Mm. else um and they said okay well we'll send you home with a pump and you know do what you need to do overnight and then in the morning providing that her blood test is fine you can take her home anyway so that was cool but also very strange leaving the hospital knowing that it wasn't just for an hour or two but going to be leaving overnight and having her still being there you know we had her bed in our room and all that kind of thing and yeah you know Finn was saying baba baba because he knew that he knew that I had had the baby, but he just didn't understand why she wasn't with me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the Wednesday morning, we went back up to the hospital. She had a blood test. She'd had her way, everything they were happy with. Um, and then we were able to go home. And they had explained to us that she was going to have to have a follow-up blood test the next day anyway. Um, but that our midwife could do that because she had planned to come and check us and do her first way on her scales that kind of thing yeah um everything was fine when we were at home you know just feeding as regularly as we could um sort of a mix between trying to breastfeed and pump and bottle feed because I Mm. still wanted to work with a lactation consultant or my midwife more to try and get her latch sorted Mm -hmm. um and that night I went to the bathroom and passed a big hunk of membranes so when my waters broke what they think happened is it broke with such force that it basically shredded the 
amniotic sac on the maternal side. Um, And so when I had the placenta, the placenta was intact, but the membranes were ragged. Like it just looked like pieces of ripped up cloth. It was so strange. Um, They were pretty confident that I passed everything in birth, but Mm. they weren't 100% sure. So they'd given me the medication while I was still in the hospital to, you know, hopefully prevent a hemorrhage and that kind of thing. And I didn't bleed a lot, actually, to be honest, after birth, I guess, because I was bleeding from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, past this big hunk of membranes, and I was like, oh, God, it was, it was such an awful feeling. It was probably, like, at least the width of a 50-cent coin and probably... 15-ish centimeters long it was was quite significant um yeah so I rang I rang my midwife and I said um I think I found my membranes (laughs) that we lost um and she said is it bigger than your fist I said no it's probably all bundled up probably you know two-thirds of the size of my fist and she said okay do you feel okay and I said yeah I feel fine just a bit nauseous because it was Mm, because I just looked at that (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she said okay that's all good um you know we can check things out when I come and see you in a couple of days but you know that that's exactly what your body is meant to do if there's something that's not meant to be in there it's it's meant to get it out yeah um and then Maeve was having a very good sleep um and my boobs were chocker and I thought I'm just gonna pump just to you know she can have water or whatever then I can Mm, go to bed mm. it's all good um and got the after pains with pumping as you do only you know a few days postpartum and then Mm -hmm. had a really weird tummy feeling like it wasn't after pains anymore it was almost like I had really bad trapped gas or I was all of a sudden horrifically constipated but that wasn't the case and I was like what's going on and was just sort of was squirming on the couch and Brad said to me are you okay I was like my tummy is really sore uh and he said okay and I stood up to try and walk around thinking you know if it is gas or if I do need to go to the bathroom at least it will get things moving I couldn't stand up straight Mm. and started shaking all over I've never Mm. had the shakes like that before and I was like oh my what is going on and was just kind of pacing around the house trying to you know see if it was helping he said are you okay do we need to go to the hospital I said I don't know um sort of walked around for 10 minutes or so he said I'm gonna ring the midwife so he rang her Mm. back and she was asking him questions like what my pain level was at um if I'd had increased bleeding that kind of thing I hadn't had increased bleeding but the pain was pretty pretty up there Mm. and she said okay I'll I'll ring maternity go back up to the hospital so Maeve was still asleep at this point um so we said mum we're going to the hospital and she was like that's fine (laughs) there was milk in the fridge for Maeve um Mm. so we left her at home with two kids because I didn't really want to wake Maeve to take her to the hospital. And I thought, yeah, oh, it's just yeah. going to be something so minor. Like, we'll be home mm. in a few hours. Um, turns out that when I passed the membranes, I basically went into cervical shock, but didn't really get the symptoms until a few hours later. Mm. Um, but also 
had an infection in my uterus so the yeah it it wasn't so much of a concern because it wasn't retained placenta but it was still retained products Mm. um and so they put us actually in the delivery room that I had made in which was strange um and gave me misoprostol to try and get my uterus to obviously contract and get it all out Mm -hmm. um and yeah it was just it was like being in labor again yeah kind of but the pain was pretty constant um it was like a constant really intense period cramp or contraction um and then every so often it would get worse um and you know I'd get up to the bathroom and then I'd start shaking all over again and yeah um you know I had blankets on to try and keep me warm but then I was too harsh and yeah yeah it was it was yeah but but in saying that, the midwife that checked us in when we got up to the hospital was the midwife that was there for Maeve's birth. And then once they did shift change, the midwife that was looking after us was the midwife that looked after us when we arrived at the hospital um, right. after my waters broke. So that was quite nice having that familiar um, face. You know, familiar faces. And, you know, it was only a few days prior that we'd um, been cared for them anyway. So they. The doctors came around in the morning um, and I said, look, I just, I, like, I don't want to be here. Can you just like do a surgery and get it out? And mm. they said, well, yeah, we can, but we think that the pain is more likely because of the infection rather than whatever is left in there. And it's really risky to do a surgery being that you've only had a baby a few days ago because mm. obviously your uterus is uh, quite big, thin, there's a higher risk of you know poking a hole in your uterus or another organ Mm. and Mm. you know getting the infection everywhere else so we would prefer to manage it um you know carefully and yeah medication first and then if we need to do the surgery later on then we can um we had brad had gone home and brought Maeve up and he rang me and he said she's yellow and i said Mm. don't say that he said no I think she is and as soon as I saw her I was like she's yellower than she was yesterday she still mm. wasn't normal color when we brought her home on Wednesday yeah, which is yeah. expected but she her color had definitely changed and uh my midwife came up to the hospital to see me and check on maybe anyway she had to do the five day yeah. checks I think by this point um and they had uh, Brad had to go and do something for work and then they wanted me to have a formal ultrasound at the hospital so he had gone they were like okay time to do your ultrasound and I was like hang on a minute who's gonna look after my baby Mm. (laughs) so she got left in the nurse's station while they wheeled me down to to have my ultrasound Um, and by the time I was back my midwife was there and she was looking after me which was nice um and they had had the blood test results back by then and my midwife just looked at me and she was like sorry she's back up above the line and she was quite a bit up above the line actually for having only been home for 24 hours probably at this point so she was readmitted I was admitted um and luckily they didn't want her 
on the unit they were happy that she could just be in the room with us so we were given we were given a single room um and they obviously were still doing blood tests and stuff but it wasn't um you know we didn't have to have the pediatricians and the skaboo nurses coming the nurses on the just maternity ward were able to do that um and it got to about the Saturday so when she was a week old and her numbers were slowly sort of coming down and they said but you can go home if you want and I said "Mm, I don't think so I said as much as I I want to to come back exactly exactly and I because after chatting with my midwife she was like well yes she came off the lights but she didn't have um you know 12 24 hours off them before she came home so Mm. we really need to see that her numbers are ideally coming down but at least steadying before Mm. off the lights before I'm comfortable and I said yeah "Yeah, that's fine because I yeah I'm thinking exactly the same I don't want to come back here so Mm. and then she also said you know we've got to make sure that her weight's okay so um she came off the lights and then we left her for a bit she had a blood test the next morning which came back fine um and it was like her numbers hadn't gone down but they hadn't gone up either yeah so it was I I, I was okay stabilized but, yeah yeah I was like well okay once we're home surely she's just got to get better from here um yeah and then they weighed her and she'd lost 9.7 percent of her body weight and I was like <laughs> it's just okay. one thing after one another thing. yeah um but luckily my midwife was happy for us to monitor that at home um she said like 10 percent is when they really don't like it she was like 9.7 isn't great but it's mm-hmm. also not unexpected considering that she's been under the phototherapy for so long obviously she's been warm she's been expending a lot of energy um trying to get better so I think once you're home everything will sort of balance out yeah um and yeah then so we were able to go home on the Sunday and we've been home ever since touch wood and her feeding kind of sorted itself out her latch got better yeah, her latch was pretty shit, to be honest. Um, yeah. But also, I... Say hi. Hi. She's like, what the hell? <laughs> what is this? Um, <laughs> because I was having to feed her so regularly once we got home, a lot of the anxiety, yucky feeding feelings that they had when I was feeding Finn came back because yeah. every feed was painful. Um, yeah. Probably a combination of latch not being great, her still being quite sleepy from having the jaundice, yeah. Yeah. Um, but also I have a, quite a painful letdown um, and we're mm. not really sure if that's just while my, um, you know, while my milk's regulating and, you know, while you're, boobs are at that quite engorged stage Mm. or if it's just that I have a really painful letdown regardless um Mm. so I decided pretty much the next day after we got home 
that I was going to stop feeding her um, just because I thought, you know what, this could get better. And if it does, that'd be great. But I just don't think I have it in the tank to try. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't need to make it harder for myself than no. it already has been. I want to start enjoying. Yeah. Enjoying her and, you know, enjoying. Plus you've time. got Finn at and home as well. You can't exactly. just be sitting there feeding or pumping and topping up and whatever. Exactly. And um, because she'd lost so much weight, it was actually a really reassuring decision for us as a family because we knew she needed to eat, but at least we could see how much she was eating because yeah. you don't, boobs aren't see-through, um, yeah. so you don't know how much they're getting. And, you know, Brad would say to me, like how long she feed on this side how long did she feed on this side do you think that she needs more and he wasn't saying that you know in like a pestering kind of way but Mm. from his perspective he was concerned about her eating and wanting to make sure that he was eating enough but he also didn't want Mm. to he didn't want me to feel like I was putting he was putting pressure on me to keep feeding and yeah so it was yeah I mean if Maeve ends up being our last baby I think part of me will always be a bit sad because I really wanted feeding to work but at the same time I know that I made the right decision for what we needed and I'm sort of tossed with oh do do I try and relactate and then I said I said to one of my friends you know if someone could say to me if you relactated which is a whole process in itself Mm. and it would work and you wouldn't be in pain and you'd have this beautiful feeding journey then absolutely I would do it and I said but I think it would really really knock me for six if I went through all of that and then it was still shit (laughs) so um yeah I mean if we have another one then I'll try again because that's just the kind of person that I am but Mm. maybe my maybe I'm just not a breastfeeder and that's fine too because yeah as long as you know she's she's fed and happy then that's the most important thing and 100 and yeah. your happiness and your health and yeah. your mental health is important as well yeah honestly so probably slightly more important because if your health and your mental health is not up there you can't care for your baby yeah exactly um and yeah that's one thing that I learned the hard way from mm. Finn but yeah it was, I was the same with that friend. it was something that I knew that I needed to decide pretty quickly once I started feeling not great about it and mm, mm. as much as I was a bit sad about it and I sort of questioned myself at times the majority of the time I was like no this is this is good. yeah um and it's worked out well for us as well because you know if I'm really tired Brad's able to do a feed during the night or you know whoever we are comfortable with feeding her can feature mm, mm. um Finn even wants to help sometimes which is so yeah. sweet but he is like help help holds the bottle and then turns away but like <laughs> takes the bottle out of her mouth at the same time and doesn't <laughs> understand why she's all of a sudden crying um but yeah so that's that's it pretty much which uh and she's like she's all good now she's healthy yeah. happy doing everything yeah, a 12 week old should yeah she is good she um has just gone through a bit of a growth spurt at the moment so she's been particularly um 
cuddly and a bit unhappy. But yeah, she her weight's good. She's not particularly massive. Um, she's yeah. sort of within the fiftieth for her height and weight. So she's still it's okay. She's still um fitting some newborn size stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's yeah. But she's little. Um but yeah, I mean she caught up there was one week while we were still under our midwife where she put on four hundred and eighty five grams in a week. <laughs> mm. So um, I remember when I switched the twins to full formula, one of them put on like yeah. four hundred grams and the other put on like nearly six hundred grams in a week. Wow. And that kind of like solidified. I was like, okay, I've done the right thing. Yeah. I've done the right wow. thing. Wow. That's so good. Yeah, it was just Especially when they need still it. So like... Hollow leg. All he does is eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's all good now. And I'm I'm good. So yeah. that's the good. most important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. It was so lovely talking to you. And oh, bless you. And I'm so <laughs> glad that, um, yeah, everything has worked out. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been, yeah, I mean, I know that our stay in the in the baby unit was not as long as some others, but I think it's important to share all different kinds of stories because hundred percent, yeah, you just you just don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, that was Taylor's story with Maeve. Um, yeah, they had quite a journey through birth and labor and then back and forth a bit once Maeve was born but yeah everything's looking good now um Taylor had a really really like strong sense of what she wanted and what she was comfortable with which is super important um and yeah she really spoke up for herself and spoke up for Maeve which I just I love that so much because I know myself I was quite uh with my first birth with the twins I was quite what's the word I'm looking for I just said yes to everything you know I didn't I didn't fight for anything I just let them do what they what they told me they needed to do and I accepted that but yeah so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode um as Taylor said it's really important to share kind of every story and this was obviously different to someone like me who had a premature birth but yeah still important and still difficult still difficult for them but yeah so I hope you enjoyed and we will chat again soon bye